DNVR draft pod. You know what it is. It is our season. I cannot wait to get into this one. Presented, as always, by High Plains Strains, the Northeastern Colorado dispensary for you, providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. If you give them a visit, be sure to mention DMVR to take advantage of their deals. I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, Jake Schwanitz. Jakester, how are you doing on this fine Saturday? Uh, I can't. I don't think it can be any better. It's divisional uh, playoff round weekend. It's the best weekend in football. Best I can't wait. That's so true. Best weekend in football. Heard an amazing CJ Stroud comp. I forget where it was, but he's Dan Marino. He's this generation's Dan Marino. Like his oh. his arm is just like, like sometimes it's just like yeah, if a dude throws lasers from the pockets, that's that's all he needed to beat a good defense. Yeah, it's true. I mean, accuracy is tough to beat. Overlooked a little and call it, you know, the 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 whole yeah. shebang, the whole shebang. Ah, oh, tis the season, Jake. Plenty of coaching news. And then final declarations. And the one that stood out the most, the one we want to get into in this podcast is J.J. McCarthy of Michigan declaring for the draft. He is 27 and one in his career as a starter. So not too shabby coming off a national championship, still very young. Um, And this really spices up an already super deep quarterback class, a quarterback class with a lot of like true name recognition and it also weakens the uh, 2025 QB class. So very relevant topics for Broncos fans, and that's what we want to get into. You, I think, have been a little soured over J.J. as a Michigan fan in particular. And uh, so, yeah, I wanted to get your takes to start off with on uh, J.J. declaring and how, how upset you would be if the Broncos were to take this guy. Um, I don't know if upset's the right word, but he JJ does a lot of things really well. He's got some things he's got to work on too. Yeah. He is a phenomenal athlete. Mm-hmm. He's got a great arm too. Yes. The thing that I kind of keep going back to at Michigan though, I feel like his best throw might have been like his freshman year in that second game or whatever it was against Western Michigan when he threw it across the field. Don't you remember that throw? Uh-huh. We just haven't seen him do anything like, you know, really air it out or crazy throws since then. Uh, You saw it in the national title game. He kind of called his own number and just took off for 20 yards. Like when Michigan was kind of at, um, they were having some trouble offensively. So he's got a lot of tools in his bag. It's just, this is a really young player. Um, Really? He can kind of play outside of himself at times, like try to do too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, when Justin and I talked about him last week for a bit, he said he's got his best football ahead of him. And I completely agree. He's so young and he's so many tools. I can't help but think that he will be a better player in a year, three years, five years, right. potentially. Right. So there's a risk in taking him because of that. Um, but 
I think the ceiling is going to be so intriguing that some teams not going to be able to help themselves. Yeah, it's a, it's an upside game as we always talk about. And that's where JJ is really intriguing because the size is about as good as anyone in this class. Probably Drake Maze, the only guy who's like uh, as tall and more, more built, more stacked right now. Um, Arm strength. He's not Caleb Williams. He's not Jaden Daniels. He's probably not even Penix, but he's in that mix. The thing that I think is underrated, and when you really put him under the microscope, there's like two throws every game where he is dead to rights, pressure bearing down, and he, he's either like running to the left as a right-handed quarterback or just makes a throw off his back leg where it almost doesn't look like he's looking sometimes. And that's where he pulls out like just these dimes on a frozen rope that are right on the money. Um, it's definitely the most complex eval of any of the top guys, certainly of the top four. Um, the guys I just listed off Williams, uh, may Daniels Penix. I think he's right up there with Bo Nix as like the toughest eval that for yeah. uh, and and you are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Bo Nix is like, well, he's accurate in that offense, but how much of that is just throwing guys open? JJ's running an actual pro style offense. He's actually yes. taking snaps under center, which is going to be so monumentally big for him in adjusting to the NFL. It's such a leg up compared to all these other guys. Um, and he's he's having to throw with more anticipation and timing than a lot of these guys, certainly than Bo Nix, right? His big issue is consistently being consistently accurate. And I think we can all agree, as of now, worst ball placement in this draft class. Uh, far, over the middle, there's a lot of throws um, that are behind wide receivers to the sidelines past the uh, numbers. Um, there's some real struggles with being consistently accurate and putting the ball like on the front shoulder and leading a guy instead of like being behind and on the back shoulder. Now he misses throws, but Jake, he's not throwing bad throws to where this guy has a lot of interceptions. His completion percentage is also extraordinary. Um, it, and how much of this is because he's not in a rhythm passing offense. He's not throwing it 30, 35, 40 times a game like all these other dudes are, right? I mean, shit, the second half of the regular season this year, I don't think he's thrown it for 20. He didn't have more than 20 um, completions from Michigan State basically to Ohio State. I think it's under 20 um, completions every single game. I think a big part of that is Michigan having an easy schedule and wanting to really not put anything on tape that Penn State, Ohio State, the Big Ten championship opponent, and then the playoff opponents could prep for, right? there. It's it's Jim Harbaugh at his finest, um, not wanting to give away. So it's a really complex eval. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. Um, he did throw 22 times in that Iowa game, but it was only 147 yards. <laughs> right. So, or he had completed 22 passes in that game. So, yeah, he's com he's very complex in how he's going to be evaluated. Yeah. Um, you brought up the dropbacks. I put this stat here. I knew we'd bring this up. This is from Hayden Winks at Underdog Fantasy. 
give it to He me. said the consensus top six QB prospects were under center on a total of only 47 dropbacks. Wow. That's 47 throws. Wow. Uh, had two. May had four. Daniels uh-huh. had one. Knicks had eight. Hennix had 11. And McCarthy only had 21. That's wow. just, that's not play. That's straight dropbacks. That doesn't count but, play action and stuff like that. So 47. JJ accounts for 21. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, uh, you know, the others combined for 26 combined. Crazy. Exactly. And I mean, that's, that's the, that's evaluating quarterbacks these days, right? Like shit. Who's the last guy you could remember who had many reps under center. I mean, Josh Allen had a little bit Carson Wentz a little bit and North Dakota. Right. Right. You go back to like Andrew Luck. Um, They're few and far between few and far Mm -hmm. between. Um, But so how do you stack up the upside of this class? Let's start there and stacking up JJ compared to the other guys. Under Caleb, we can agree on that. Yeah. Drake May starts to become an interesting conversation as just like pure ceiling. It really does. The very highest scenario. And I think Jaden Daniels does as well. And then pure upside, he's definitely ahead of Penix, definitely ahead of Bonex. Yeah, I mean, he's got the age on a lot of these guys. Dra- him and versus Drake May, I think, is a very interesting conversation mm-hmm. because, you know, you talked about CJ Stroud. And I could kind of see some of that in Drake May, maybe a little more athletic, uh, even yeah. though CJ can do it. He just doesn't right. show it. Right. Um, so Drake May, I mean, he's got that like timing. He knows he's got great ball placement. He can throw yeah. the hell out of the football. So it's it's a really a different conversation about Drake May than it is J.J. McCarthy. You have different mm-hmm. questions with them. The other point with JJ too is just playing in these hardball offenses, man. Like these are pro style offenses. Yeah. Um, they are, you know, scripted, game plan, like they are nailed down to a T. This isn't some, you know, Tennessee offense where they go out there and just we're gonna throw it deep as often right. as can. Right. So yeah. he's learning a real offense here. I think that's something that we have to take account for as well. It's massive. And I think what we're getting to in a lot of ways is NFL, the NFL is going to like this guy a lot more than draft Twitter does plain mm-hmm. and simple. Um, and you just got to put him under the microscope and see where he stacks up. But I think he's, he's definitely a top 15 quarterback just because of all that we've talked about. And for the Broncos at 12, like you might even have to move up a couple spots for him. Yeah, I mean, we they all go f- quick. They all go quick. And this is yeah. one of the better quarterback classes in terms of just number of guys that we have in first-round caliber. You know, we've mm-hmm. got five or six of them here. Then we've had in quite a few years, probably since that uh, Justin Fields, Mac Jones year, even before that, probably, what was it, 2017 with Lamar, Baker, Rosen, Allen, when we had five. Yep. yep. So – a lot of teams are going to be taking swings here. He's probably going to be overdrafted slightly just because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as you mentioned with the the ceiling, like people are going to look at Penix and they're going to talk about the injuries a lot. They're going to talk about his age a lot. That's going to drag him down. Probably yeah. going to be the same for Bo Nix. He's really old. Um, yeah. So JJ comes in as a 20, 21 year old kid. Like these guys are just, you know, they're tantalized by the upside, what you can mold this ball of clay into. For sure. And I mean, the things he's really going to have to improve on is going to be that accuracy is going to be that timing and maybe a more of a rhythm offense. He'll have to get, he'll, he'll get there. Um, I think at first 
you want to adapt the system to him. He's not a like system generic guy. And that's what gets you excited. Like what Harbaugh's yeah. doing, the kind of Greg Roman offense you saw Har, you know, in the Harbaugh days and you saw with Lamar the last few years would suit him quite well. And like in a Shanahan type offense where it's a lot of boots and, um, you know, just kind of half field reads stuff like that. Get him out on the move. He throws it well on the run. I I do think in watching him a little more, it running to his arm side, he uh he has far more incompletions and like that's where some of his dangerous throws. That's the one that's super frustrated you at the very top of the yeah. Alabama game. Um, and he did that against TCU as well in the national semi the year prior. He's got to clean up something about running to the arm side, especially on those designated boots. Um, it, it, it might just be his eyes and it's really easy to read them. I know there was a throw like that at Ohio state where um, the underneath defender is just spying him and following him. And that's the defender that's able to get the deflection. You're not going to see that in the NFL, right? Where you, you don't just spy the quarterback. Um, but that's kind of a, a unique intricacy. And it's really accuracy in the short to intermediate game. Yes. I think deep ball wise, like, look, this is a pretty special deep ball accuracy class, right? Like mm-hmm. Penix Daniels are freaks and Drake May and Caleb Williams. Are, I mean, Caleb's like, in a category yeah. of his own. And I mean, Drake Mays got a spectacular deep ball, but from within the pocket, a very nice deep ball accuracy. Anyone wants to like, you want to get yourself hyped on JJ, go watch the Michigan state game and go watch the four throws he makes in the red zone that are just dimes. Yeah. Like he's not shying away from tight windows. And I think that's going to really lend itself well and then it's the the record, the on-field success. I've talked about this before with Josh Allen, with Mahomes. Like, those guys that come in and they do stuff that's never been done or hasn't been done in, like, decades uh, at their school, I think that speaks volumes. And that that certainly is what J.J.'s done at Michigan. Right. I mean, I said a few weeks ago on this show, you know, when you talk about quarterbacks sometimes, especially these guys who are, you know, kind of developmental projects, there's usually, like, two types. And... JJ is the aggressive type where you got to kind of rein him in. You got to, you know, teach him, you know, you have all this God given ability. You can do and make all these throws, but you don't have to force these throws all the time. Right. As opposed to, I don't know, guys we've watched um, kind of not a great comparison in terms of draft status, but like Trevor Simeon, you were wanting him to be more aggressive with the ball and you just couldn't get that out of him. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just way harder to coach into someone than it is to rein them in. So you know, these coaches, you know, Sean Payton included, are going to see a guy like JJ and go, yep, I can fix this. You know, I can rein him in. We'll do some half field read stuff. Yep. Uh, we'll do simple concepts underneath and in the intermediate game so that it's just a quick read and he can rely on his athleticism if it's not there. But, you know, the game's faster in the NFL. He's probably yes. going to have a lot more of these decisions where it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, what do you think about Peyton and the Broncos fit? Because it, the one thing I will say is he does have a nice ability of like, sometimes just like surviving the down and getting positive yardage and not trying mm-hmm. to like get, get 50 yards all at once, you know? Um, and both as a runner and a passer, he's not afraid to just like 
scramble out and dump it off, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So he is aggressive. You do need to rein him in, but he's not reckless either. And that so right. I, I like that he's got that fine fine balance. With Sean Payton, it's so interesting because if you think what Sean Payton is looking for is the next Drew Brees, he's definitely not a good fit, right? Just like Russ wasn't a great fit. I keep coming back to the like second half of Sean Payton in New Orleans and the Taysom Hills and the drafting guys like Mississippi State quarterbacks and stuff like this and trying to really lean into this new year of like athletic dual threat quarterbacks. And if he wants to open that up, then JJ becomes super intriguing. I mean, like maybe as far as Broncos fits, top of your list mm-hmm. i mean look if they took aj i would be excited there's no doubt about it i mean i don't think i've ever had a quarterback where i've had to root for them in college and then now they're my pro right. quarterback. that'd right. be dope but when you look at what he would be in the nfl you you'd want him with a guy like sean payton one of these coaches who yeah. is a quote-unquote quarterback whisperer you know um, because I think that, you know, JJ is the type of player I think you can build an offense around because of how talented he is. And, you know, year one, it's probably not going to be great. It's probably yep. going to be some hiccups. They're probably, Sean's probably going to be figuring out an offense too around him, you know, things that right. throughout the year that he does well and doesn't do well. So it would definitely be a process. There'd be a lot of patience. I think that would need to be involved. Yes. It'd be exciting though. I think he'd be a great fit. Um, I do think we got to get faster though. We need more receivers on the outside. You got to give him if you want him to be what he was in college, which is kind of taking these deep shots um, and just running an offense. We got to get faster. He needs more athletes on the mm-hmm. outside. So there'd be a lot of stuff that needs to be built around him here in Denver. But it'd be an awesome fit. It'd be fun as hell. He'd be a good cold weather quarterback. Best cold weather quarterback of the entire class, in fact, yep. and like. This time of year, we always remember that matters. We don't think about it much. Right. Um, so, oh, man. JJ, JJ would have me intrigued. Where's he rank in this class for you? Um, probably, I probably can't three. put him. Yeah, I probably can't put him in the top three. Right outside that. Um, Daniels is your third. I would put him. I still love Penix, man. I mean, look, I know everyone's going to dog on him for, you know, all the stuff, being in college for forever, all the injuries and can't throw over the middle type of things and stuff. But I just don't think you can teach that accuracy, man. It's really nice. He's very Drew Breesy. He's mm-hmm. like very Drew Breesy. Um, he, he just slings it so nice. That natty kind of stunk, but, you know, I try to do these evals like a stone cold robot. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's Caleb and Drake ahead of everyone. Then I think it's Jaden, but I'm not going to have anyone hold me to that. That's not a final grade. And then I think it's JJ. Like when you just sum up the whole prospect profile. I, I think it has to be JJ. Um, and then it's Penix. Probably in that same tier with JJ. And then it's Bo. In his own tier. And a tier of his own. Um, I agree. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're we, we will remain. We will stay <laughs> hating on Bomex. I'm so sorry, folks. Um, <laughs> final thoughts on JJ and how this impacts next year's draft class and what maybe the Broncos two year outlook on their strategy in um, round one should be as they build this team in Sean Payton's identity, as we have built DNVR in our identity. One of the staples since forever has been Breckenridge brewery. They are true homies, man. They have just been fantastic. Fantastic fantastic to work with and they're delicious i've got the in-laws in town right now and you know i stocked up um always nice to have a, a little mix and max uh mix and match uh pack you know can't go wrong it was christmas ale season and that's always delicious it's always a great time to get in on the avalanche ale um you know the mile high city the old copper lager Broncos Country Pale Ale, the Fun Slinger, and they've got the old Good Company Hard Seltzers as well. Check out the beer locator at breckbrew.com to find a beer near you. Support them as they are just a fantastic partner. I'm sounding all right, Jake. Yeah, I think I lost you for it, but I think we're good. Okay. Beautiful. Um, yeah, so JJ, man, going to be a fascinating conversation all of draft season. I really think the fans are going to hate it. Like the fans are going to need that. There's some PR fixes that need to occur here. Um, um, I don't care. Let me tell you this. One of my issues with JJ has been. I find a hard time finding a good comp because a lot of guys, the guys he reminds me of, he's have busted. Uh, it, there's definitely some Mariota to his game. Um, just the frame and how he looks and being a little more pro style, but out, also dual threat athlete. There's some Desmond Ritter to his game, though. I mean, compare the like big game profiles. That's an unfair comp. Good comp, Jake. Jordan Love. What do you think of that one? Utah State. That is pretty ac- good. Accuracy was an issue, but you know, frame, athleticism, thrown on the run thrown off platform the, the raw talent good one huh i think that's a great comp um i mean he reminds me of like colin kaepernick ish like yes. Not, not, yes maybe not as fast yep but um that's kind of what i think of when you look at him like you could definitely if you drafted him it has a rookie run like that greg roman scheme like you said or just go heavy read option and just let the guy be an athlete um you know let him run the ball five times a game, you know, try and get him in space to, you know, roll out, toss it deep, stuff like that. So he's, uh, he fits a lot of those kind of project molds. He's a project himself. Hell yeah, man. Absolutely. I love that comp as well. Speaking of Jordan love. Fascinating how the club, how the public perceives his emergence and no one's talking about, the fact that Green Bay now three quarterbacks in a row weren't thrown to the fire immediately, were developed over time. And then, you know, I was talking to my father-in-law, who's they live in Chicago, Bears fan, obviously, and the, the great decision they have with Fields and the first overall pick and everything. Um, 
and he was like, you know, I don't know why they never work out in Chicago and they always work out in Green Bay. Well, some of it might be that in Chicago and Denver, they're held to super high standards. The second they step onto, you know, off the tarmac, they're supposed to be the savior. And we chew them up and spit them out like once they're not good by late September. And maybe in Green Bay, it's a little easier to succeed in that media market. You know, like maybe they're a little more patient just naturally because it's not New York, Chicago, even Denver, where like football wise, you know, Broncos fans are insane. Um, Just a little food for thought. That's I mean, if I could preach one thing to this fan base, it would be patience and multiple things. Yeah. Patience with Sean Payton, uh, patience with this roster, with the current quarterback situation and what they're going through, and then patience when they inevitably draft a young quarterback. Because, you know, look at Mahomes, look at Josh yep. Allen. Like, yep. even those guys, like, Josh Allen was thrown to the fire and was, you know, highly criticized his first two years. And maybe somewhere else, you know, it doesn't work out like it mm-hmm. has because – People were getting angsty and they wanted more. And, you know, maybe they bring in a vet or something if it's Denver and they try to go that route and try to save the development that way. But sometimes it's like you got to let these guys just play through these things. Like it's it blows my mind that we forget the easiest way to learn on the field is on the field. Like you just have to be patient sometimes. You you know, they're not going to win the Super Bowl in year one with a rookie quarterback. No one ever does. Um, So patience. Just patience. Ah, it's uh, it's hard to preach, but it's so true, man. Speaking of patience, in my heart of hearts, this JJ discussion's fun. I do wonder if the long-term solution for this Broncos team at the 12th pick is moving down, acquiring more assets, and doing a long-term build and really stacking up for 2025. Well, McCarthy declaring certainly changes that equation a little bit, especially at the quarterback position where he was really the swing vote. You know, had he stayed McCarthy with Shador Sanders, with Carson Beck, with Quinn Ewers, and of course, guys will emerge. Uh, they always do. It feels like the makings of not the kind of hype we had coming into last season with Caleb and Drake May, but still a very stacked class. Now you take JJ off that bunch. I like those top three. If we're talking upside, they all have very intriguing upside. But there are more unknowns. They're not set and forget, guys. And maybe the pressure is on a bit more to get your quarterback in this draft cycle. Because as you mentioned, like six deep is not something you see very often. Mm Mm-hmm. I like next year's class, how it's shaping up. Um, Shador's obviously my top quarterback, I think, in this class. I'd throw out Cam Ward as well, whatever he does at Miami. If he has a massive year, he could be a very intriguing guy. Riley Leonard's a guy, too. He went to Notre Dame, who could work his way up in this class. So it's, uh, you know, there's there's tantalizing talent here with this class. Like, I think we kind of knew coming into last year, uh, last season, you know, Caleb and Drake May was the conversation already yeah. going back to this time last year. Um, and then this class just kept building from there. So there's definitely building blocks for this class to become really good. Maybe not as deep at quarterback as this class, you know, 60 is crazy, but um, there's a lot of really intriguing names here. Guys like Jalen Daniels could pop. Um, you know, Dylan Gabriel has been doing his thing at Oklahoma. He went to mm-hmm. Oregon. He's another old, yeah. old guy. 
So there's, uh, you know, Drew Lar. We'll see if he has just a massive year at Penn State. He was a number one recruit a few years ago. So right. it's uh, it's not going to be weak. It's not one of those down years. So, you know, planning for the future and building this team is something you can do. It's just, you've said it multiple times now, six quarterbacks. I mean, it's just rare. It is. And, you know, the other factor in this is, I do think the transfer portal has allowed us to have a lot more breakout quarterbacks that in years prior might have just kind of, you know, like got mold on the bench and never become anything, whether it's all the guys who Lincoln Riley developed, who transferred to Oklahoma and salvaged their careers, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, whether it's Burrow, who was buried on the depth chart at Ohio State, um, and, you know, what could, like, a big transfer like Will Howard, who we've been intrigued by mm-hmm. as betters, you know, and as a nice dual threat quarterback, yeah. but now he goes to Ohio State under Ryan Day and um, is really going to have a huge opportunity. You know, um, all these kind of transfer quarterbacks who could break out as they go to new new spots. Um, Cam Ward ended up going to Miami, the U. Yeah, he undeclared from the NFL draft. I don't think I've ever seen that before in my life. That is a first. In the NFL, that really is a first. It, it's something you'd see in, like, um, you know, the NBA draft happens. Right. Plenty. But, yeah, that that was a first. We're we're making history, Jake. We're in a new era. Yeah. Um, I think we all feel great about Shadur, uh, especially in Sean Payton's offense and just how – Pro ready he is with his IQ and how well he operates from the pocket. Would you want to add anything to that or kind of the overall upside of a Shadur and why it might be worth waiting for someone like him in 2025? I mean, four wins last year. I know a lot of people probably expected more out of this team, um, but Shador was so, so tough last season. He played through so much injuries, played behind a terrible offensive line. And I think you, a lot of people kind of use that to discount his talent, but I thought it really showcased his talent, just how he was able to really carry this football team at times mm-hmm. was insanely impressive. So now you have some more pieces around him this year, you know, offensive line, bring in another grad transfer wide receiver. Like he's in a much better situation and he put up great numbers last year. He's really, I think, in prime position to just explode have a Heisman caliber type of season and become QB one early on in this season. Like it, it could, it wouldn't surprise me by like October. We're just locking him in as pick one in this draft. Absolutely. Um, well said. And then Ewers is deep ball. That kid just has mm-hmm. a cannon. And if he can find some sort of consistency, people are going to be excited about him the way they got excited about Jaden Daniels and other guys. Cause when, when we entered the playoffs and I'm stacking up those four quarterbacks, right? Milrow for Bama Penix, um, JJ McCarthy, obviously, and the aforementioned viewers, I think the highest, like if you were to stack up who has the, the highest upside of those four who can just show up, on New Year's Day and like blow it like has the that highest gear I think it was yours against those four because when he's on like again now that Saban's retired the trivia question who's the only quarterback to ever beat Saban by double digits at home in his Alabama tenure when yours my friend 
Quinn Ewers by just like slinging it fearlessly, just like that. That back foot hits, and that thing is out like a bazooka. Ultra quick release, too. He just needs to be consistent. He needs to be consistent, and he needs kind of like a, a consistent run of form. He's a throughout his career, he's always had these little nicks and pains that kept him out yep. a couple day, a couple weeks, and then he comes back. He doesn't quite look the same, you know. Um, if he can put it all together for for one year, his upside's tremendous. Like definitely the upside of a QB one. And then Carson Beck is fascinating as well. 6'4", 220, out of Georgia, pretty good athlete. And he, like, checks a lot of those boxes the Andy Murray, Stenson Bennett's, Jake Fromm's did. Only he has a pro frame. He has a pro arm. He carved up the SEC for a first-time starter. Just incredible poise to him um, and incredibly accurate. He's a guy who I think the NFL could fall in love with quite quickly because he just checks off so many boxes, man. He feels like a very ready-made prospect. Um, I think he already would have got some late first, early second consideration. Had he declared this year, probably his biggest knock would have been simply that he was a one-year wonder, right? That that definitely scares us off. It's something we're not going to talk about with any of the top six in this class. Shit, these guys have been like, we've known about these guys before yeah. we knew what COVID was, you know? Like it's Literally, cases. yes. It's nuts, man. It's nuts. They've been part of our lives for so long. Um <laughs> And so that would have scared you with Carson Beck. What can he do with another year, you know, where suddenly he becomes like JJ was going into last season where it's like, oh, look around at the contenders, the one contender with the returning QB. It's Georgia and Carson Beck. Um, Milro, you know, I, I get it. I get it. The If we were on the Buffs pod, the chat would have already killed me for saying that inaccuracy. <laughs> That's okay. That's why we love him. Um, so, yeah, man, it's a... It's a fun class. I don't think they have that high gear. I don't think anyone's going to get an elite grade. Some could get a top 10 grade. I mean, it's a pretty high gear still. It's a pretty high gear still. It is. And then, I mean, shit, there's a lot of potential for three guys who could have first round, set and forget first round grades going into uh, next year's draft. All that to say, What's the best way to build the to build this uh, squad up long term uh, and find a long term solution at quarterback, Jake? I mean, I think we're all frustrated because they haven't taken many shots on these guys. They took yeah. a shot on Paxton, and that was it. Um, yeah, and it's Drew been Locke. eight years. Drew Lock too. I mean, you can throw him in there, but but Drew Lock after tra- need- trading down three times. Yes. But you, but you gotta take shots on these or guys twice. in the first round, man. You gotta go trade up, and that's why I was so excited about Sean Payton because he doesn't have. He's shown that he can be aggressive, especially yeah. in the NFL draft. Yep. Um, and you know the stories about him trying to go for Mahomes, like he's been trying to get quarterbacks. I think for a while it just hasn't really worked out. So uh-huh. I'm really intrigued to see what he does this off season. I because he could do what. We've been doing for so long, just trade back, load up on guys at all sorts of positions and just try and rebuild this roster. Frankly, it needs it. I think that Sean is, I don't think he's happy with the quality of the offensive line top to bottom yet. Yeah. I think he realizes defensively, there's still some things to add there as well. Yeah. You're missing some blue chippers on the front seven for sure. I love Shador. 
And I, I would be, if that's their plan, I would be all for it. It would just be another hard pill to swallow, you know, watching them draft another tackle or cornerback in the first round and just go, oh, in for nine or eight wins again here. Here we go. This fan base is not ready for another offensive tackle drafted like in the top 20, man. I'd love it. I love this offensive tackle class. No, Sean doesn't. And he's going to build this the right way from the inside out. And I mean, just look in the NFL, what teams are succeeding there's some dogs in these trenches. Even even Houston, franchise left tackle Laramie Tunsil, franchise edge rusher Will Anderson, man. Like and and they've drafted first first round picks on Kenyon Green, like they they haven't been shy about investing in the trenches um and you know, we saw it from Sean Payton last year in uh in investing big in the O-line and Ben Powers and McGlinchey in in free agency it it doesn't just happen with one off season it it keeps happening um and uh and the same is going to go with the defensive front where like obviously the run defense was not up to par last year and was too easily exploitable of a weakness for this team to have some success from a long term view that goes even past the draft um I just think sometimes it, it helps to take a step back, to take two steps forward, you know, and that might just be the off season that the Broncos um, have to face, but it's going to be fascinating. JJ McCarthy certainly adds a different layer to this because yeah, I mean, I think the top three will be out of reach for the 12th pick, but I think JJ could be, you know, maybe doesn't drop to you at 12, but could be within reach where you don't have to like sacrifice the next two, three drafts to, to get a sniff of him. And Penix, I think should certainly be around. And then, you know, a Bonex, a Bonex. What, what could happen with Bonex? Uh, Sean's one with worse quarterbacks than that. I'll tell you that much. The thing with this draft class though, is it's a pretty good draft overall. Like, I wouldn't be upset if they took some of these edges, these wide receivers, yep. even these tackles. These tackles. Um, Corners. Cornerback is pretty good. Yeah. So there are definitely pieces. And with the rust situation, go ahead. Yeah. Receiver. Receiver, of course, too. I mean, if you want to get faster, if you want to get better after the catch, go get, you know, yeah. Odunze if he falls to you uh, outside the top 10 or neighbors, whoever it is. Right. Um, but the rust situation, I think, does play into this, obviously. That dead cap hit, whether whatever their decision to do with him, um, whether he restructures or they just outright cut him, uh, he's not coming back on that number, I don't think, that he's currently due. Uh-huh. So you're going to potentially have a looming dead cap hit, and that's just going to completely limit you at least these next few years. So maybe the better idea for sure is then kick the can down the road, right. you know, just right. kind of, I don't want to say wave the white flag on 24, but like – just be honest with the state of the team. Like there's a lot of things that are going to limit you. The roster's just not there yet. So maybe 2025 is the best course of action. Yeah. Don't necessarily go all in on trying to improve on the eight wins. You know that we're not saying mm-hmm. tanking. We're saying, right. Build through the margins, build through finally having some added draft capital that you haven't had the last couple off seasons. Um, you know, dominate day day three and find more undrafted gems and keep like 
keep building this roster up right and uh you know finding those uh those unheralded even vets like the the McMillans of the world um they say that right the Arizona kid is that who you're talking about uh no the <laughs> no he is McMillan great wide receiver in 2025 <laughs> um no the nickel the nickel uh, corner for the Broncos who had an amazing season Mick uh Oh uh, yeah, not McLaughlin, right? He's the running no, back. No, not, not uh, McLaughlin. God, damn, we might have to cut this. Shaquan uh, <laughs> McMillan, the McMillan. I got it right. Okay, see, I know ball. You got, um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, and keep building it like that. Just don't trade three future first round picks to go and get your franchise quarterback when like half of the appeal of a rookie quarterback is that rookie contract that allows you to build long-term just something to consider, man. Um, I'll, we'll both be all over the place. We'll both be considering all sorts of team building uh, theories when it comes to rebuilding the Broncos going into this off season. And it's what makes this so much fun. So uh, we'll be back next week. I believe we'll have J Mike. So stay tuned for that. Maybe get into some more quarterback talks and parcels rules. So you won't want to miss that. Do it. Um, we are the DNVR draft pod brought to you by the homies at high plane strains. Thank you so much for tuning into us. Hit us with your questions and yeah. Uh, keep an eye out for, for the YouTube. I know we've, uh, we've teased this before, but this off season, I think it's really happening. So Check us out, and that'll be a fun way to interact with you guys live a bit more. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you to High Plains Strains for providing this here podcast, and thank you to Jake for spending his Saturday with me. Um, Yeah, we'll be back next Got week. Got you, brother. Bye.